0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to the show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're gonna ask yourself is how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're gonna need a hosting site, and if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. Welcome to the 10-12 podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning. It's Monday. You know what that means. Oops. Andy Mitz back on the show. He and I are going to break down Big 12, specifically the three teams that so far into the season have intrigued me the most. We're talking about Baylor, how impressive they have been and why they are the number one team in the country right now. Talk about West Virginia and why Saturday's game tells me everything I need to know about who this West Virginia team is and Oklahoma State, a team that has been incredibly disappointing. But if there's one squad at the bottom four that I think has the best shot at rising up and finishing and potentially making the NCAA tournament, it's them. Really fun time. Andy's got some great points. As always, really enjoyed this pod. No guests today, just the two of us. It's kind of nice. you know. Just just spend some time, just the two of us. Just two guys talking hoops. have some fun. Very excited for the Super Bowl. I know that's not Big 12 related. I don't care. I get my dream Super Bowl. The two teams that I care about the most in the NFL are playing at the Super Bowl. Kansas City and San Francisco. It doesn't matter who wins. I win. Do you know what that's like? As a sports fan, I've never experienced this. This is going to be fun. Not rooting against somebody is weird because now I don't have to be stressed that the Patriots might win. I'm going to be happy with whoever wins. Oodalali, Heck yeah. All right, we got a lot to get to, um, so I'm not going to waste too much of your time here. Do me a favor, however you listen to the show, leave us a rating, five stars if you don't mind. Leave a review. We would appreciate it. I would love to read your review here on the pod. So if you're a fan of the pod you haven't given the show a rating, haven't given the show a review, please do so. If you don't follow us on Twitter, that's at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. While you're on our Twitter page, go find the tweet pinned to the top. You click it, get yourself signed up for ESPN Plus and Big 12 Now. Don't forget, you get a free trial period. So all that said, swish. My usual Monday cohort, Andy Mitch, joining me today to help break down the weekend that was in Big 12 hoops and look ahead to the week that is to be. Andy, welcome back to the show, man.
0: Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm going to apologize up front for anyone that can notice. I, I'm dealing with a little bit of a head cold, but you know this has been a wild and crazy week for college basketball, especially in the Big 12, so I, I definitely didn't want to miss it.
1: I mean, this has been a wild and crazy season in college basketball, and I mean, look, Duke loses twice. Uh, I don't know. How, I, I've lost track of how many top five teams this season have lost to unranked opponents, and that kind of feels like what this season is. And it leads to me to the first point I want to make, and it's this: that not only is should Baylor be the number one team in the country this week when the AP poll comes out on Monday, it should have been last week. Uh, not only when all the bracketologists come out, should they be the number one overall seed in the bracketologies right now. I actually think. And we'll talk about their performance on Saturday. And, and But it and their ability to overcome how well Oklahoma State was finally able to shoot the ball. And that game through three quarters felt like another top five team loses to an unranked team kind of situation. They overcame it and they got the win. And I think I can argue Baylor feels like the most reliable team. I understand you're going to say Gonzaga, people will say Gonzaga, but part of Gonzaga's problem is they literally don't have to play anybody the rest of the season, except for... And that's not a shot at St. Mary's. They're a nice team, but Baylor's schedule is far more difficult than Gonzaga's or San Diego State's. And so, to me, Baylor feels like the most reliable and sure, really good, going to be a one-seed-come-selection Sunday team in the country this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue with that. You can't even... You know, trying to even talk about, like, I think it's really easy to to get Gonzaga out of the conversation entirely as the best team, you know, because if you're, if like, the only thing you can say in Gonzaga's favor is that they have the most wins, but, you know, they have the most wins, like you said, because they played the weakest schedule. They also, you know, front-loaded a whole bunch of tournaments and extra non-conference games and a whole bunch of this other stuff. They played a lot of stuff up front. Um, And so they've got, you know, 20 wins now, which is the most of anybody in the nation, but... Um, you know, they've also played a lot more games than anyone else. And like you said, you know, they have the 199th ranked strength of schedule according to Ken Palm. So, you know, to, to say, yes, it's impressive that they've only lost once, but the fact is they have not faced anyone nearly as tough as a lot of these other teams. Even a team like Kansas that has lost three times has played a schedule that is so much more impressive than theirs that Kansas with three losses. I think you have a very strong argument that Kansas is a better team than Gonzaga right now. And so depending on how you do your top 25 ballot, um, you know, like there's three different schools of thought on how you fill out your top your top 25 ballot. Is which one has the best resume, and if that's your criteria, then I think it's Baylor. You know, which one has the most wins, or has you know lost the 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 longest ago? Um, that would be Gonzaga, or which actually, team...
1: San Diego State hasn't lost yet, so technically that's well San true. Diego State.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. You do have a point there, but I think everybody consider, and which which is actually kind of funny because San Diego State has a stronger schedule than Gonzaga does, um, yeah. but they didn't have the cachet coming into the season that, that a team like Gonzaga does, but so then – the, you know, the, the final one would be which team do you think is the best overall in terms of, you know, looking at advanced metrics or which team you think would win on a neutral court against any others. And the only team other than Baylor that you could make that argument about would be a team like Kansas. And I understand that Baylor beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. But if you look at all the advanced metrics, Kansas still ranks ahead of Baylor in all of those by a very wide margin. I personally would put Baylor number one if I had a vote. I probably would put Kansas number two right after them and and then Gonzaga number three. Um, I would be tempted like you actually to put San Diego state up higher just because I like to give those, you know, non power five quote unquote teams a bump um, where I can, where it makes sense. But, you know, I, I, I think, that those four teams are probably the best four teams in the nation right now by any reasonable metric. Um, You know, you could make a reasonable argument depending on the methodology that you use for filling out your, your ballot. But you know, if you're going by team that has the best resume, I don't think there's a question that it's Baylor at this point.
1: So Ken Palm has Kansas one. This is all as of Sunday's stuff on Ken Palm, Kansas is one Duke is two Baylors, three Gonzaga's four Dayton's five Louisville, Michigan state, San Diego state. West Virginia at 9, and Seton Hall at 10. So even that loss to Kansas State didn't kill West Virginia. That's Ken Palm, and I like Ken Palm a lot. They go off the net rankings. Baylor's 1, San Diego State, Gonzaga, Kansas, Dayton, Duke, Butler, Michigan State, West Virginia, and Louisville. So the top 10 through a variety of different things is kind of mixed up, but it's about the same. I think Baylor's number 1. I do. But I absolutely think and, and that Kansas absolutely is a f- top 5 team. I think Kansas and Baylor are two teams that have – look, I think March Madness this year, everyone thinks it's going to be nuts because there's so much craziness going on. And when we expect insanity in March Madness tends to be when we see kind of like – like we see some early upsets among like the 5s and the 4s seeds, but then like the 1s and 2s just kind of make a run to the Elite eight. I think Baylor feels like a Final Four team. I think Kansas feels like a Final Four team. In fact, I, I actually think you know the, the knock that's been on the Big 12 so often is that it's a conference that's very deep, top to bottom, one of the most difficult, um, one that that winning is a big deal. It's why Kansas gets so much credit. But when the, when the Big 12 gets to NCAA tournament, they kind of disappoint. They don't have as many Final Fours as you would like for a conference as good and as highly rated as the Big 12 is. You don't have as many national championships as you would like for conferences as good and as highly rated as the Big 12. And we've thought before that teams are, you know, oh, this, this team has a shot. But it really feels like, and part of it is, you know, the ACC isn't as good. The Pac-12 is not very good. The SEC is not that good. And, and for the Big 12, you know, the Big 12 getting five teams, and that's half the conference. When when the ACC and the SEC and the Pac-12 get five, like it's a, a little bit different. Um, Like the big 10 is really good. They're getting much teams in, but for the big 12, I'd really look at these two teams in Baylor and Kansas and say, these two teams are final four contenders. And I'm, I will barring some crazy matchups. I have a hard time not thinking I might pencil both into that spot. Come selection Sunday. When I fill up my first, just off the cuff bracket.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's going to take either a lot of changes or injuries or something to really, you know, change the makeup of either of these teams, or it's going to take them being a one and a two paired in the same bracket, which usually doesn't happen um, because of the, the, the bracketology rules. Like I would be shocked if that were to happen, but you know I mean? I like, I, I agree with everything you said there, like Kansas and Baylor feel like clearly the best two teams in the conference and the big 12 at the top feels like it's clearly the best team In the or the best conference in the nation. The Big Ten is in a similar situation this year to what the Big 12 was last year, where they had a ton of very solid, very good teams. But what we saw happen, and I think part of the reason the Big 12 has had problems in the tournament is Big 12 teams have been beating each other up all year long. And typically you have teams that are either mentally fatigued or have injuries or other problems that they're dealing with going into the tournament. Also, I think the Big Twelve style of play is a lot different than than a lot of these other teams. They're a much more physical league. Um, with the exception of the Big Ten. The Big Ten is a very physical league, super, super defensive. And and so typically what you would see in, in years past is that the Big 12 plays a completely different style. They get used to playing each other, and it makes it hard for them come tournament time to see some completely different basketball. Um, usually a team like Kansas has been good enough, and a team like Baylor or Texas Tech have had years where they've been good enough to co- overcome that and go deep in the tournament. But consistently – the Big 12 has struggled with teams that are so much different, and and honestly, it's usually been that the, the Big 12 hasn't had very good defenses. This year, we've completely flipped the script. These teams are powered by their defenses, which makes it easier, I think, for underdogs to stay in games, but... You know, if their offense or if if like if if a Kansas or a Baylor gets their offense going, their defense can clamp down and keep the opponent from coming back at all. You know, Kansas, I think, is going to win a lot of games where they score in the 60s this year, which is not something I'm used to seeing from a Kansas team. It's not something I'm used to seeing from a Baylor. Uh, Like the only team I'm used to seeing that from in the Big 12 is West Virginia because of that, you know, the the press Virginia style of defense that they play. Um, and so this is very, very unusual, I think, for a Big 12. It's going to, I think, make things a little bit different. Um, but if you look at the best teams in the Big 12, they are being powered by those defenses. And so I think this is going to be a completely different year from what we're used to seeing.
1: So I, when we play in this episode, I want to talk about the teams that are most interesting to me. And we started with Baylor. Obviously, we talked to Kansas a little bit. But um, the other team that has intrigued me so much this year is West Virginia. You know, I. I Forgive me, I forget to do the research sometimes. I got a one-year-old. I got to quit using that excuse. But you know, I, I think preseason they were picked fifth, if that sounds about right. Um, fourth, fifth, sixth, something like that. I may have been fourth, but they were, I thought they were a little high. But um, man, they have been absolutely impressive. Um, and then comes Saturday's loss by like 18 at Kansas State. And I don't like reading too much into a single loss. Games happen, um, especially in a season like this. Things, you know, home teams get hot, road teams can't hit a shot, and and you have performances like that. And it left me, though, feeling like I have a pretty good idea what this West Virginia team is. And it's not a shot at West Virginia, it's this. It's all season long, they've played well, and they've continued to improve and gotten better and better and better. And you see Toshiboy, who's turning a star, and Culver, who's been really impressive. And all along you're like, but these guys are so young, and, and just think of how good they could be next year and you keep focusing on how well they are and then they have a game like this and you go, ah, oh, that's right. Four of your top five scorers are sophomores and freshmen. This is a team that is very talented. It's a team with a super high ceiling. This is also a team that at this point, I'm going to say the Big 12 title is coming down to Kansas and Baylor. West Virginia is the third best team in the conference. The gap is bigger than you think but not as big as that sounds. Um, and West Virginia next year is going to be terrifying. But this year, like I said, West Virginia, West Virginia is a team that's going to get to the NCAA tournament. And if they run into a mid-major program with a ton of seniors, is going to get upset in the first round. Or West Virginia is going to be a team that gets the right matchups and makes a run to the elite eight. Because they're young and very talented and have a very high ceiling, but youth is... Is a luxury and a curse when it comes to college basketball and March Madness. I like this West Virginia team. I think they are the third best team in the Big 12. I think it's a pretty good um, gap between them and, and fourth, to be honest. But um, I think that's what they are. Like, I think we figured out what they are at this point. And that's not a shot at them. This is a fun team. And they're really good. But they're probably going to have another loss or two like the game at Kansas State in them this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to agree with that. The thing I've noticed about West Virginia, and and I noticed this when they played against KU in in Allen Fieldhouse, is that they are driven by Oscar Sheway. Um, You know, he he is out hustling everybody he is was like the energy that that team draws from and when he has an off night i think they're going to struggle especially if they don't have anyone else stepping up to get offensive rebounds so, i mean that's typically been their calling card is not that they've been super phenomenal on the offensive end and so they play really solid defense and they rebound a ton of their own misses so they give themselves a bunch of extra chances they didn't do that against kansas state kansas state was able to get a lot of defensive rebounds and kept West Virginia from being able to get all those extra chances. Oscar Shuba had, had a honestly a very off game. I thought, um, you know, the other thing I noticed, it seemed like, um, this game got out of hand really quickly. And so ultimately like they ended up waving the white flag. So I think it looked a little worse for them, um, than it, than it probably was just because they weren't making a comeback. I'm not really sure what happened, but from the small amounts of the game that I actually saw on the TV, it just seemed like they were out of sorts and that's going to happen with a team like this. Um, especially a young team. And, and I think that's kind of what the issue was that I saw with both Texas Tech and West Virginia. They're young teams that have really good, energetic defensive talent, but the offense isn't just, it just isn't there um, for them to be a completely balanced team. Now they can, you know, they can use their defense to create some offense, but if that's not working, if, the, you know, if they're not getting those extra chances, they're going to have problems. Um, I, I agree with you. I do think that it's Candace and Baylor up top I think that West Virginia, and I think Texas Tech is a little bit closer to West Virginia um, than a lot of people may think, but I think those two are kind of in that second tier. Um, but I, I do agree with you that there's there's probably a bigger gap than most people think there is between two and three. And we're going to kind of see that work through. Now, I wouldn't be surprised to see Candace and Baylor like sharing the conference title at 14 and four or 13, or I'm sorry, or 15 and three. Um, and then West Virginia coming in, you know, two or three games behind. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a very good season for West Virginia. And like you said, they're extremely young. So they're going to build on this team, um, for the next two years. I would not be surprised to see them being one of the favorites coming into the year. You were right that they were fifth in the preseason poll. Okay. And I think, I think more of that was just people were assuming that Huggins was going to be able to get something out of them because they just, the bottom completely fell out of them last year. Um, that had to do with discipline, you know, guys leaving the team because they just really didn't want to be there. Um, all the issues that they had last year and the bottom just fell out completely. Um, but you know that Bob Huggins is a good coach. He's not going to let them be down for that long. And so I wasn't necessarily surprised they jumped up. I was surprised how, how much they jumped up. Um, but, you know, that win against Ohio State really, really helped them and really helped the, big, the, the, the stature of the Big 12 in general. Um, before, of course, Ohio State just completely bottomed out themselves this year. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I think West Virginia is clearly in that third and fourth in the Big 12.
1: I do think, you know, Kansas State hit some shots on Saturday, and that's a big part of it against West Virginia because you look at what they had allowed the few games before that. TCU put up 49, Texas Tech 54, Oklahoma State 41, Kansas 60, Iowa State 59. They hadn't allowed 80 points since a road or a win over Rhode Island back on December 1st. So, you know, sometimes it's not your night, and even good, even good offense or great offense beats good defense every time. So, you know, yeah, they couldn't score a lot, but they've been able to win games. They beat anyway, they beat Texas Tech sixty six to fifty four. Beat Oklahoma State fifty five to forty one. West Virginia is a team that they can win on defense, even when their offense isn't there. But the other team's hitting shots. You know, not a whole lot you're able to do. So credit to Kansas State. It's a nice win for them. They're not going to have a ton of those this year, so they should enjoy them while they last. Um, the The other team that intrigues me is this Oklahoma State on Saturday. We talked about that Oklahoma State Baylor game. And it, and it felt for a while, you know, if you've watched Oklahoma State, 7-0 start to the season. I, I, even as an OSU fan, I never thought they were as good as that sounded. Um, you know, you beat Ole Miss by 40 in Brooklyn, and it's just like everyone's losing their minds. I'm like, calm down. Ole Miss literally couldn't hit a three-pointer to save their life. And then <laughs> Isaac likely gets sick. Um, it's motto, whatever. Um, and they, they just struggled, and they struggled ever since. They went, they started a big 12 play, 0-3, 0-4, and, 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 and for three games, they couldn't hit a shot. I mean, you you saw them against West Virginia. Their defense was playing well. I mean, in games against West Virginia and, and TCU, they held West Virginia to 55, TCU to 52. It's the first time under my point and they were 12 and 0 in games where they held teams to like under 60. And now they're 12 and 2 because they, they couldn't score. You score 50 points against Texas Tech, 41, 40. You finally find a little bit of offense against Texas, but you can't get stops. And Baylor, it feels like they're going to get that win, and Baylor's able to overcome. And for OSU at this point, like, my, Brad Underwood's one season, they started conference play 0-6, and they made the tournament. So it's not like it's impossible. I think at this point, it might be a little little bit too, a little too little too late if they finally start getting some wins together. But for OSU, if there is a team that has had an incredibly rough stretch that in the Big 12 play, I actually think, could turn it on and start piling up some wins over Kansas State or TCU or Iowa State. To me, it's Oklahoma State because we've seen what this team actually can be. We've seen them be a good team on both sides of the ball. They lost confidence. They ran. Look, they ran good offense against TCU and couldn't hit a shot to save their lives. It feels like this is starting to turn around. It feels like Boynton's starting to put the right buttons, do the things necessary for this team to start playing better. And we'll have to see. Obviously, they got a big game. <laughs> you hate to start turning things around during a stretch of facing Baylor at home and then having to go to Hilton. Uh, even with a down Iowa State, it's it's hard to win at Ames. But if there is one team to me, and I'm curious your opinion, if that could turn things around and start to make it run, it potentially maybe they could get enough to get—you know what— a, finish in the in, in that sixth spot in the Big Twelve, but I think it's Oklahoma State.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if we're looking at the bottom, you know, the the bottom four teams are trying to find one that could jump up and take one of those spots. Um I, I think Oklahoma State is the most likely just because I like the pieces that they have. And and honestly, the struggles for Oklahoma State seems to me, um, especially for this year to be coming down to Lindy Waters. And I, I know you watch them a lot more often than I do. But, uh, you know, just looking at, at his Kenpom page, his three-point percentage is way down this year. You know, he's, an, oh. uh, he, he's a career 400 or 40 400, or yeah. percent, um, and that's after taking into account he's only hitting 32.5 percent this year. Um, he's already halfway to the total number of attempts that he had last year, and last year he hit 45 percent on 154 attempts. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, you know, prior to this, he hit 37 percent in his sophomore year. And that's the lowest that he's ever hit. So, I mean, he is normally a phenomenal three-point shooter. He's struggling this year. I, I will admit I have not watched enough Oklahoma State to really look for any super good trends there but it seems like he's been struggling a lot more recently either not taking nearly as many shots because maybe he's lost a little bit of confidence in his shot uh, or when he is taking shots he's just not hitting him you know he had on he was one for nine on a game he had like oh for five three for seven uh, he's he's just been struggling it seems from three point and and that's the thing about oklahoma state like kind of coming in um you know what was fueling them was that they were hitting a lot of shots um, hitting a lot more shots than I think most people thought they were going to at the beginning of the year, that was really fueled them to a really big start, and it's kind of come back to the mean a little bit. I think more what people expected, um, but unfortunately, it's all come back all at once, and so they've struggled a lot against teams that I don't necessarily think that they should be struggling against. Yeah,
1: uh, no, I I absolutely agree, and just you could tell a team that like people think if you're not hitting shots, it means that you're not playing well. And I went back, you know, you go watch that TCU game; they ran good offense. They had good looks and nobody could hit a shot. And, you know, sometimes teams just, you lose confidence. If you start 7-0 and have games where even when you're playing your best, you're losing. You know, even if you're playing well, you just, you can't get it done. And it happens to teams. You know, you lose confidence. You suddenly can't find a shot and you've, you've got to figure that out. And, and I think that's a big part of what happened because you kept watching going, this, is, this team is not this bad. This team is not as bad as they seem right now. And then they were just getting blown out. And yeah. it was really hard. Like as an OSU fan, it was hard to watch, but you just kept watching going. I, I'm not saying that they're a great team, but they're not as bad as they were playing. And my hope is that is the question for OSU, and we'll find out here in the next couple of games is, was that Baylor game and it sucks to lose? It really did. You thought they had that one. But was that a sign of things are turning back around, or was that just a case of you had a really good day against a good team at home on a Saturday, and and maybe maybe you're going to revert back to what you've been? This is, look, for OSU and my Boynton, Boynton's not going anywhere. Next year's the year, you know, 2020 with Cade Cunningham coming in and Rondell Walker. That is a big year for them. That's a make or break year for for. For Boynton for for OSU, but you'd like to see this team figure some things out down the stretch and 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 get some stuff going because a lot of, yeah, you lose a lot of seniors off this class, off this team. You lose you know you lose Lindy Waters, you lose Thomas Zaguwa, you lose Cam McGriff, you lose Jonathan Laurent, but. This is a young team with a nice point guard and a nice center and a couple of sophomores and a bunch of freshmen that are going to come back next year. You'd like to see some of those guys continue to take steps forward and progress to be ready for next year when there's going to be a lot of expectation for that 2020-2021 season. So if making the tournament is what you'd like to do, but at this point for OSU and for Boynton, you just need to see the young guys take take some strides and show that they can be ready next year when that talented freshman class comes in to, to have a big season.
0: Right, because you know what we've seen in the Big 12, unless, or honestly in college basketball in general, is that teams that play a lot of freshmen, which it looks like Oklahoma State's probably going to have to play a lot of freshmen next year, um, tend to struggle because it takes some time to get everyone acclimated, to get everything pulled together. Um, and you're right, they're losing a lot of talent after this year. Um, and so they need that solid base of talent, on, in the, especially in the current sophomores that are going to be juniors next year, to really kind of help smooth it over. In terms of this year, the only way that I think that they're going to be able to jump back up, like you were talking about, and get into you know, the top half or that sixth spot in the Big 12— uh, you know, I hate to say it because it's a lot of pressure for them, but I honestly think they have to win four of their next five. Um, with the only game that they can really afford to lose being against Kansas. You know, they they have to win at Iowa State. They probably need to win that game against Texas A and M. If they lose that game against Texas A and M, you got to wonder what the hell's going on with them right now. Oh, that'd be um, a resume killer, right? Exactly. You you can you can honestly you know safely assume they're going to lose that game against Kansas on the road, um, and that won't really hurt their resume. Obviously, it's a it's a missed opportunity. Like if they're able to get it, that's a huge resume boost. For them, mm-hmm. but you can't reasonably expect that. But they should be good enough that they could go on the road and beat Oklahoma, an Oklahoma team that I think is a little, you know, performing a little bit better than they actually are. And then the home game against TCU, they're expected by Ken Palm to win that one right now. But they really need, you know, those three conference wins plus that one to not one out of conference win to realistically have a shot, I think, at getting a, an at large bid because if they don't win all four of those games. I don't know that you can see them winning enough moving forward, you know, especially yeah. still having to go to Kansas State. Um, you know, having to go, which I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily think that Kansas State would, you know, be one that you would necessarily be afraid of, but you know, they've already shown that they can jump up and bite some people at home. And so you kind of have to worry about that, but I mean, you still have to play several of the better teams in the conference and you have a lot of away games. Um, against some of the teams that you're really trying to gain some ground on coming up at the end of the year. So you, you've got to get on them now. You've got to really build that cushion to have an opportunity, I think, to get an at-large bid and to really solidify that resume.
1: Andy, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you joining me as always. Uh, let me just ask this to wrap things up. What is the uh, What game this week are you really looking forward to in the Big 12?
0: So I'm looking at them right now. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of good ones like we always seem to have. Um, but specifically, the the big 12. I know it's great. Um, so big Monday, I don't know that I'm really looking forward to either of those games just because I, I think that both of them are going to be pretty big blowouts, um, you know, so the Sunflower Showdown Kansas versus Kansas State tip normally, I would think would be a pretty good one. But for some reason, I'm just not. Yeah, uh, I mean, if if any of the midweek games or the the early games are going to be good, I think that one potentially Kansas State's flying high. Gantus is struggling with some injuries still, trying to deal with guys that just aren't performing very well. Um, But in terms of the Big 12 SEC challenge, you know, there's a couple that I'm kind of interested in. Um, Iowa State and Auburn, on paper, that looks like it should be a complete blowout. But, you know, Iowa State, I think, matches up with an Auburn team that is playing really weird right now. And that could be a big surprise. Um, LSU Texas, I think, has a big name there. Uh just mm. sounds like it's gonna be fun, but I, I don't know that it's actually going to be. I don't think the Texas team is nearly as good as a lot of people seem to think that they are. Um, you know, the other one that kind of surprised or the, the one I'm the most interested, I think, in, is that Kentucky Texas tech game. It's two ranked teams. Um, Kentucky has struggled with teams that they should be a lot better than. Kentucky has a decent offense this year, but nowhere near as good as it usually has been. And Texas Tech's defense is number seven in Ken Palm. So they have a very good defensive team. I I think this is going to be an atypical low-scoring game for both of these teams. Well, I not, not atypical for Texas Tech, but you know, I think this could be a game that we're not used to seeing in this kind of format. Um, but I, I think Texas Tech has a good shot at getting that win there and then really helping to boost the overall profile of the Big 12 Conference through that win.
1: Can I say in the Big, in the big 12 ICC Challenge, and I love that they do this, can we stop pre- picking the games before the season? Because the fact that West Virginia is playing Missouri, and Missouri is bad, and West Virginia is obviously really good. Um, Arkansas is playing TCU. Arkansas is a, is better than TCU. Like some of these matchups, instead of having some really nice, even matchups, it feels like we got a lot of lopsided ones. Like Florida has been pretty good, but Baylor's better than Florida. Um, Texas Tech, Kentucky is is... Is pretty evenly matched. I think Tennessee is pretty beat up, so we don't know about that. But Missouri, West Virginia, Iowa State, Auburn, TCU, Arkansas. I think there's some of these matchups feel lopsided one way or the other, which I don't, I don't love. I'd like this to be an opportunity that you know, uh, where you see some really good teams face off and don't have to have a couple of uh, yawners. The the sneaky interesting one of the day to me is that Kansas State Alabama game because. I don't know that either team's very good. And sometimes when two not great teams play, you get a really interesting game. And that one could be a little bit of fun, a little, just, you know, you'd say about Kansas state riding high, them coming off of the Kansas game. That one could be interesting. So look, SEC big 12 challenge in basketball is fun every year. I'm excited for it. Uh, I think everyone else is. It's nice to just take a little bit of a breather and, and go beat up on the SEC every once in a while, you know, it's fun so I, I look forward to it obviously uh, andy you are as well andy for everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering kansas and the rest of the big 12 where can they do so
0: yeah so you can find me over at rock chalk talk i, I write for kansas there i write i cover kansas football especially but kansas in general over at the land grant gauntlet and then my podcast the rock chalk podcast you can find on twitter at rock chalk Pod.
1: andy it's always a pleasure everybody enjoy the games this week and we'll be back Uh, We'll talk hoops again next Monday. And, of course, we'll be back on Thursday with Chris and uh, talk some football.
0: Podcast Network.